it's springtime for snowflakes, baby. You know, springtime for snowflakes. It's time to stand up and let the sun shine, and the snowflakes can't stand that. You know, it, uh, the woke dynamic that uh, they think they've got control, the truth is just the opposite. And when we talk about, you know, being a man, what does it mean? One of the things it means is to be a father. As a father, to abandon your children is, is one of the ultimate horrific things. This idea that the family doesn't need a father, this is an evil thing. The totalitarian impulse that came out during the pandemic should be a warning to all of us. Reach out and get control. It's just, just, just declare it's springtime for snowflakes and rock and roll and get control of what's happening out there. These are our children. These are members of our family, parts of our civilization. We've got to go into this with a virtuous, godly, loving response. And the only thing in the world we can control is ourselves. And if we give weight to bitterness, if we give weight to cynicism or complacency or denial, then we've given away the one thing we can't control. You're a man living in the modern world in a time when men and manhood are not what they once were. You live life on your own terms. You're self-sufficient. You think for yourself and you march to the beat of your own drum. When life knocks you down, you get back up because in your gut, you know that's what men do. You're a badass and a warrior. And on the days when you forget, we are here to remind you who you really are. Welcome to Sovereign Man Podcast. I'm your man, Nikki Ballou. Um, and we've got a tremendous guest here for you today. Uh, this man has become a friend of mine. We're actually going to be writing a book together, which I'm very excited about. He is a true global thought leader. He's written the uh, international best-selling books uh, on killing, on combat, on spiritual combat. And he's got a new book coming out called On Hunting. Um, our guest is Lieutenant Colonel David Grossman. Welcome to the show, Dave. Hello, Nikki. Always good to be on board with you, brother. And, uh, Great to be with you, my friend. You're doing. You are you are firing silver bullets of truth and justice across the airways, my friend. And, and I love your theme of, uh, of, of, of this idea of, of men recovering control of their lives, fighting back against a woke culture. It's springtime for snowflakes, baby. You know, springtime for snowflakes. It's time to stand up and let the sun shine. And, uh, and the snowflakes can't stand that. You know, it, uh, the woke dynamic that uh, they think they've got control, the truth is just the opposite. But some, uh, some very, very bad things are happening in our society. And it's time for us to reach out and gain control. Amen, brother. Amen. So listen, um, why don't you just start by giving the folks a little bit of your backstories, just so they get to know who you are. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, uh, enlisted in the Army in 1974, 82nd Airborne Division, young paratrooper, sergeant, uh, a buck did some night school and got two years of college, went to uh, officer candidate school, uh, infantry officer, uh, Army Ranger, West Point psychology professor, ultimately, uh, and uh, en route to teach at West Point for my uh, grad degree. I wrote most of the book on killing. Uh, the book was... Uh, was released in uh, 1995. Uh, just just yesterday, it was the number one bestseller in the category on Amazon. It stayed up there, translated in seven languages. Marine Corps Commandant's required reading. But uh, after I got out of the Army and, and spent a lot of time working with people in combat every day, 
I realized that, you know, killing's intellectual, it's important. Uh, you know, the big question is not, not why did this person kill? The big question is why did these 99.99% of our citizens go a lifetime, never take a life and never even try to take a life? You know, we, we got to realize what an aberration it is to overcome the resistance and take a life. But, but on combat, that's, that was the heart of the matter. Slow motion time, auditory exclusion, tunnel vision. Uh, people in combat don't hear the shots or the shots are very muted. They don't hear the other guy's shots, but they hear the brass hit the ground behind them. Uh, and that ties into my, my, my book on hunting, which, as you said, is just coming out now in uh, uh, March of, of 23, uh, 2023. And uh, on hunting is uh, at the heart of who we are. And, uh, there, there is a pool of physiological responses in combat. Uh, and one is you don't hear the shot. And the only place where we see that happen, other than life and death combat, is hunting. And hunters talk about how they don't hear the shot. And by the way, you are still getting hearing loss hunters. The cutout is in the, the, the nerve, the ear is still being hammered. Where hearing protection when you hunt, you'd be a deaf old geese monkey and it's a pain in the butt, right? Now, but really, uh, uh, you understand hunting, you understand so much about who we are and what we do. We, we say from an evolutionary standpoint, and we respect all aspects on the matter, but if our species has been in existence for 24 hours, up until the last six minutes, all we did was hunt. We're hunter-gatherers. It's, it's who we are. It's what we do. Ecologically, it's the salvation of our species. Wellness, it's essential to who we are and what we do. But we came home with that great big chunk of protein slung over our shoulder, and we fed it to the tribe, and it was those, those, those big packets of protein that made it possible to have that big brain and the delayed developmental process that makes it possible to be human beings and have the cooperation. And, but really, in the end, we're in a battle against forces of evil. My book on spiritual combat, Christian Book Award finalist, uh, a real important book. I've got two books on the Marine Corps Commandant's required reading list uh, on killing and on combat. Been a, an honor to be a service to, to them and many, many others. Uh, I, uh, I've had the honor to train military and law enforcement. I, I, I was in the Army for 24 years. I've been out for 25 years. I've hit the point where I've been out longer than I was in. I train cops in all 50 states. I train every federal agency, many, many foreign nations. I train all of our military, all of our tier one spec ops. And uh, I've got a, a thing in on combat that talks about the giving of a weapon and how it implies your desire for the safety and wellness of the recipient, how it implies your trust in their judgment to use a weapon wisely and well. So uh, back there, it's kind of a, a little array of weapons that have all of them been gifts that have been given to me across the years in various ways. And we, we swing on around and uh, uh, over there is a little starburst of, uh, of knives up on the I wall. That. Uh, they're kind of fun. All of them are gifts, you know, and, uh, and, and, and really hunting and, 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 and tools and weapons. That's what makes us who we are. And, and the depth of, 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 of ignorance and, 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 and wannabe goofiness that's out there. It's bizarre. I'll give you an example now. We, we can't always carry a gun, but we can always carry a knife. 
And uh, I worked with Ernie Emerson, proud of the world's premier knife maker and premier knife fighting trainer. All the tier one spec ops for over 20 years had turned to him. Got the Emerson Sheepdog Knife. Now, Emerson uh, has always had the wave deployment system. On the way out, it deploys. But the critical thing is to have a guard, a buoy knife, a yeah. samurai sword, a K-bar. All true fighting knives have a guard. The old timers would have never made a fighting knife without a guard. Uh, yeah, it, it, your hands get bloody and they will get bloody. You get in a knife fight. You say, I'm going to get cut. I'm going to keep fighting. And you go to stab and you go right down on the blade. And uh, and uh, Bowie knife, samurai sword, a K bar, all true fighting knives have a blade, have a guard. You know, it's a, I told Ernie Emerson, you know, the big thing is to have that flipper, which is a gross motor skill. It's easy to do. Uh, and then you got that guard that comes around and protects it. You know, it's just just all the and it's never be caught without a flashlight. And this day, a knife, a flashlight this big is virtually a weapon. If I turn it up to max power and put it in your eyes, I put it on strobe. Uh, I, I'm in the airport. Uh, I, I can't even carry a knife in the airport, but I can carry that that flashlight, a state of the art, high power flashlight anywhere. Uh, there's times when you need it, and, uh, uh, and 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 just take control of your life. Uh, and, and when we talk about, you know, being a man, what does it mean? One of the things it means is to be a father. Yeah. And, and I've got life hacks that I want to give to people. You know, I, I, I'm all about trying to figure out how to get the greatest impact with the resources you have available. And in my 24 years in the military, I had jobs where I would get up at five o'clock in the morning and have PT at six o'clock and and come staggering home at eight o'clock at night and roll out of bed and go do it again. How can you be a father? How can you be there for your children at a time like that? Well, I, I was blessed to have a professor who talked about the last five minute rule. And all other things being equal, what you do in the last five minutes is what you dream about. We've all been there. We, we come home from work and go to bed and dream about work, right? And what you dream about is what you process into long-term memory. Yeah. So your child could have a terrible day, but you can program what they get out of that day by owning that last 30 minutes. And I don't care when it was, where it was, how it was. Most of the time, I could get home in time for bedtime. And I had three boys, and I'd snuggle up close to me, and I would read to them every night. And I read... For example, the Narnia series, C.S. Lewis. I, uh, yeah. uh, I, I read all the way through the Narnia series. We read a lot of funny books. They weren't, we read some virtuous books. And, 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 and every night you hold them close, you read to them, and you put virtuous ideas and concepts into their head, and you send them off to bed. Right up until we were, you know, we're, we're young teenagers. I was still reading to them every night. So you, you do the thing you can't do uh, uh, I think we should be profoundly concerned about the woke message being given to our children through the schools. And, and the most important thing you can do is take them out of that environment. Springtime for snowflakes. Get them out of here. Now, folks, uh, uh, one of the greatest investments you can make in your kids is to send them to a private faith-based school. Uh, I wrote in my book, uh, Assassination Generation, I was invited to the White House uh, as part of President Trump's roundtable on violent video games, had a chance to put one book in the president's hand, this is the book. 
invited to the White House again to brief Vice President Pence. Uh, uh, one book in his hand, this is the book. And uh, we talked about these terrible crimes that are being committed by juveniles. Now think this through. A multiple homicide by a juvenile in the school has never happened in human history until 1975 in Brampton, Canada. Double homicide by a juvenile in the school in Canada. Then we had one in the late 70s. We had two in the 80s. And the 1990s, it began to explode. And, and you got to ask yourself, what is the new factor? Uh, and, uh, and, and all of these children, uh, Canada's had dozens. America has scores. <clears throat> uh, Finland has three multiple homicides by a juvenile school that I know of. I just found out that one province in Russia recently had a mass murder in the school, and it was one of five, according to the news report, that had happened in just the last six months or so in that part of Russia. One part of Russia in six months had like four or five multiple homicides by a juvenile in the school. Uh, it's happening around the world. Germany uh, might still hold the highest body count by a single individual in the school, in the Erfurt school massacre. And, and, uh, and, and so of all these massacres, many in Mexico, many in Brazil, one in Taiwan, the one in Thailand, not one single one of these killers were in a faith-based school. Now, one of the ingredients in this equation is you have to have an absolute rabid belief that there is no God. And all there is is this life. And what's important in this life is to be famous and to pay back all the people that did bad things to you. Jesus. And, and if you sincerely believe there is no God, and the purpose in life is to be famous and to leave a mark, then it, it is perfectly rational to commit one of these mass murders. Now, there could be a kid in a faith day school do it tomorrow. But so far, decade after decade, it never happened. And there are external threats that they think they get double points by hitting a faith day school. One of the best things you could do, homeschooling is good, and I honor those who do it, or put those kids in a faith-based school. It's the greatest investment you'll ever make. If you had a sick kid, you'd empty the bank account. You or your spouse who quit their job to be a sick kid full-time. That's what love means. Well, the time to make that investment is not to wait until they get sick, not to wait until they go to jail. Make that investment now and, and, uh, and put them in that private faith-based school uh, one of the best investments you can make. And when we talk about this terrible crime that's happening, you know, a lot of, lot of different possibilities. One parent families is a key factor. Uh, as a father, to abandon your children is, is one of the ultimate horrific things. In, in and after the American Civil War, we had a high racial one parent families. But when that father finally had a chance, if he's still alive, they came back to their family. This idea that the family doesn't need the father, this is an evil well, thing. Easy. And, and, and it's so easy to, 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 to have sex and to move on and to be trapped in perpetual childhood and never accept responsibility for your actions. And that comes back to the total absence of faith in your life, the total absence of a higher level of authority in your life. So, so when we talk about these horrible crimes and crime exploding, it's something so important your, your listeners need to understand. Medical technology is holding down the murder rate. 
the docs are saving ever more lives. The number of dead people underrepresents the problem. Imagine if somebody said, well, you, your grandpa made 25 cents an hour. You make $25 an hour. Look how good you got it. We all know the lie there. Something called inflation. We get it. But they talk about murder rate year after year, and they never talk about the impact of medical technology. They never allow for that. And it's a lie. So we got one good study, UMass Harvard study, peer-reviewed journal, came out in the year 2002. Between the 1960s and the 1990s, medical technology cut the murder rate to a third or a quarter would otherwise be. So to compare the murders in the 60s to the 90s, multiply the murders in the 90s by a factor of about three or four. And the leaps and bounds of life-saving technology since the 1990s is astounding. So this is horrific. This is the, the murders. And, and every year, they, oh, yeah, yeah, the number of people murdered in our city today is up, but it's not as bad as the 1960s. Ah, that's your BS meter going off. So the worst annual increase in homicides we've ever seen was about 12% one year of the 1960s. And then in 2020, homicides were up. 30%. We've never seen anything remotely like this. And it, and comparing the murders in 2020 to the 1960s completely breaks down. You have to multiply the modern murders by a factor of at least four, five, six to make the comparison. The wheels that come off the bus, the world is coming unglued. And you, they've got to accept responsibility for your children. You, they've got to accept responsibility for your family and your community. And, and the things we can influence is local elections. Do you even know who your mayor is? Do you even know who your city council member is? Do you know who's in charge of your county? Do you even know? And, and, and we vote for him every year. This is all politics flows downstream from local politics. All politics are local. This is where the change is made, the impact is made, where you have the greatest impact. Get knee deep in school board elections. Or, or have your spouse run for school board. And because you're working full time, your spouse has the freedom to do that. Reach out and get control. It's just, just, just declare it's springtime for snowflakes and rock and roll and get control of what's happening out there. And, and, and there's so many aspects of this, this dynamic of, of, of gaining control and, and using the tools you have available to get the most impact. The 30 minute rule, own that last 30 minutes when they go into bed. Uh, uh, you know, Im Im apply your resources to the local level. Uh, recognize the fact that this only thing you can control is yourself. And so focus that, that one thing you can control on your family, on your community, uh, and, and, and go out there and take charge and move us to a better place for our, for our children and our grandchildren. So it, you said a lot there, right? And, um, I want to break down this notion of the importance of faith. So yeah. there's a book I read a few years back. It was written by a, an ex-CIA case officer named Kent Clisby. It's called Willing Accomplices. And essentially, his thesis was that what's happening here today, the seeds were planted 100 years ago when... Um, a uh, German communist by the name of Willy Munzenberg was sent here by Vladimir Lenin to start to destabilize America from within. Because when the Russian Revolution happened, Lenin's vision was worldwide communist revolution. 
but he knew we couldn't make that happen because he had um, the main adversary, as he called it, the United States standing in his way. He knew that the United States was very powerful, but he also knew that the United States' very openness could be used against it. So he sent this fellow, Munzenberg, who set up a, um, a cadre of willing accomplices in academia, in uh, news media, and in Hollywood, in storytelling, to start to subversively change the stories within. And um, over a period of time, decades, this started to take hold within society. And there was a, a former KGB agent who defected to the West. There's a big, long YouTube video uh, of an interview with him where he talks about this. He said, look, you think you guys won the Cold War? The Cold War is just a battle. You won a battle. The global war for humanity's future is still being fought and you're losing because you're being infiltrated by a fifth column within and your own people are being turned against you. Yeah. And um, to me, a part of what had men, manhood, and masculinity start to be denigrated was a desire on the part of the forces of evil to basically take away a willingness to resist and fight, you know, because when men aren't being men, then they're not going to resist. I mean, all these lockdowns that took place, can you imagine the World War II generation putting up with that? Because no. I no. sure as heck can't. Yeah, you know, the totalitarian impulse that came out during the pandemic should be a warning to all of us, and it should inoculate us. Uh, it, you know, let's come back to a dynamic here. You talked about how the stories we were telling had to be changed. Right up until the early 1960s, Hollywood operated by code. And the code said, this is television, this is movie industry, this is across the board, and the code said, we know the stories we tell have an impact on our society. And we know we have a responsibility to tell stories that have a positive impact. And a lot of the code could be said in three words, crime doesn't pay. Uh, 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 crime and criminals will not be depicted in a positive manner. Law enforcement will not be depicted in a negative manner. The foundation of every civilization is law and order. Maslow's hierarchy of needs is foundation of safety. And then in the early 1960s, the stories began to change. The criminals were the good guys and the cops were the bad guys. And they sincerely believe everybody in prison has been wrongfully convicted. They sincerely believe if we get rid of the evil cops, it'll be all better. And that was fed to them when they were children. And, and they embraced it whole hog and they went into life believing this. And it comes back to the stories we tell. No civilization can exist when the message says the civilization is evil and the cops are evil and the criminals are the good guys. This is the single most toxic, cancerous, maladaptive dynamic any civilization will ever endure. And then we've got this whole business of the, of the George Floyd massacres and the cops are evil and the Ferguson massacres and the Ferguson riots. 
And this idea that the cops are evil people that are out there murdering people. And this twisted, distorted misrepresentation is the single most harmful, destructive thing you could do to any civilization. But here's the key. There will be a backlash. There will be a backlash in the opposite direction. And I am determined that we will focus that backlash in a godly, virtuous, humanitarian, kind response. It would be so easy to put all the snowflakes in concentration camps. We've got the guns, we've got the military, we've got the cops, they can't even figure out which bathroom to go to. It would be so easy to pack them all in concentration camps and take charge, but that is not the right answer. These are our children. These are members of our family, parts of our civilization. We've got to go into this with a virtuous, godly, loving response. I talk about that in my book on spiritual combat, about the spiritual battle against forces of evil. And the opposite of evil is love. Evil is the absence of love, just as darkness is absence of light. And we defeat evil with love. Love for our children, love for our nation, love for our way of life. And yes, love for our fellow man, whoever they are. Uh, and, and, uh, and we try to move them for path, paths of, uh, of, of, of righteousness and virtuousness. The key to, I think, all manliness and all, all of, of, our, of the foundation of our republic, identify the one thing in the universe you can't control and do it. And the only thing in the world we can control is ourselves. And if we give weight to bitterness, if we give weight to cynicism or complacency or denial, then we've given away the one thing we can't control. If you lose your temper, you didn't lose it, you gave it away. It's the one thing you could control. Now that's easy to say, it ain't so easy to do. It's a lifelong process of trying to gain control of yourself, uh, the one thing you can't control. But uh, this whole process of where we're headed and what's coming down the road, uh, we're living in astounding times. These are times of, of great turmoil, but I have faith in our way of life. I have faith in our citizens. Only a tiny percentage of a population can transform that population. Uh, you know, there's, there's like the three percenters, they call them. They're in the American Revolutionary War. The, the, the Continental Army represented roughly 3% of the population. And yet they were sufficient to change the world. Uh, uh, and so never have a doubt that a small group of determined individuals, that's what's happening. The, the enemy is determined and, and all socialism all Marxism will devolve into totalitarianism. Marxism has never worked. It has never given freedom. Socialism has never worked. It's evil. It has accepted on faith because it's never proven to work. It always sinks into totalitarianism. So look at the pandemic. Look at what happened. The liberal governors, the liberal cities took the opportunity to reach out and grab control. A conservative Republican president, President Trump, for all of his flaws, he did the right thing. He delegated the responsibility down to the states. You know, if, if, if Hillary Clinton had been president during the pandemic, she would have locked us down and taken government control of every aspect of our lives. That's not how our nation is supposed to work. We're 50 laboratories for democracy. So how did it work out for Florida 
versus California? How'd it work out for Texas versus New York? Where are people migrating to? Where are the jobs and the business leaving and where are they going to? That's that whole, that's that whole concept of 50 laboratories for democracy. And that kind of becomes uh, the heart and the soul of, uh, of where we want to be and what we want to do as a civilization is, is move towards us of righteousness and uh, to move our nation towards those paths, beginning to one thing you can't control, and that's yourself. And, and, and if you don't vote, you have absolutely no right to make any statement about anything in our society, the one thing you could do and you didn't do it. If you don't vote, then I don't want to hear a single word from you. If you don't vote for righteous, conservative, virtuous candidates, I don't want to hear a thing from you because the one thing you could control, you didn't do. And, and, and so it, it, grab control of those things you can. The only thing you can do is choose how you choose to respond. If we respond with bitterness and if we respond with denial or complacency or, 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 or bitterness, then, then we gave away the one thing we can't control. Reach out there and get control of your lives, get control of your families, your children, the utmost of what you can do. But you can't fully control those children. You can't fully control your family. The only thing you can control is reach out there, grab control, take control of your life, and move with all your heart and power, your family, your city, your nation, towards paths of righteousness and virtuous, honorable behavior. And we can do it. We can do it. Uh, uh, you know, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, determined citizens can change the course of civilization. Indeed, it's the only thing it ever has. Margaret Mead. Mead. Margaret Mead. Amen. Margaret Mead, anthropologist. Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, determined citizens can change the course of a civilization. Indeed, it's the only thing it ever has. You know, that's very true. I, I want to unpack a few of the things you said. So, George Floyd. So, um, caveat is this obviously you don't ever want to see a man dying because he's under police control but there was nothing racial about that arrest there was nothing racial about that arrest whatsoever that was a uh, a man who had passed a counterfeit bill in a store and was being arrested yeah. for committing a crime yes. um he was not obeying he was high on on whatever he was high on he was not obeying the instructions being given to them um, the cops, you know, him saying, I can't breathe. He's apparently, I saw the longer video at first. It sounded horrific. I'm going, God, that this cops in it. But he said that five or six other times to the cop. So the cop didn't really kind of believe him. And I don't believe the cop was trying to kill him. I don't believe the cop, uh, was a, uh, I don't know if he was a racist or not, you know, that I can't comment on. I don't believe this action was a racist action. This was a cop pissed off at a perp who wasn't listening to him and maybe overreacted somewhat. But did he deserve to go to jail for the rest of his life for that? No. Did he deserve to go to jail for that? Maybe. Probably. But that was a manslaughter case, an involuntary manslaughter case, not a first-degree murder case. And the Mm -hmm. folks that voted for uh you know on the jury that voted for that i can understand why they did it but they did the wrong thing they caved to the mob that's the problem with democracy in democracy two bad things happen in democracy number one is a majority of the population realizes they can vote themselves funds from the treasury so they start going after productive citizens and uh they um give from the haves to the have-nots 
give from the workers and the producers to the non-workers and the non-producers. The second problem with a democracy is that it devolves into mob rule. Democracies eventually become uh, tyrannies. That is that has been proven in history again and again. America was not a democracy. It was a, a republic. republic. It was yeah, a yeah. republic. A, const- a constitutional it, republic. A constitutional republic. It is now yeah. devolving into a democracy and we are we are at the precipice in my opinion in the history of the world the there's one indispensable nation in the world and that's the united states of america if the united states of america goes from freedom to tyranny we're all fucked amen we're all and fucked look at the pandemic look at the pandemic yeah look who embraced tyranny and look who embraced freedom yeah. look at the ones whose response was to to take away uh, authority of the individual citizen and look at the ones who who embraced freedom and and, and decide how you're going to vote <laughs> and if it should drive your train well look, with all your heart and soul if you look at the uh midterm elections that just took place in the united states right a month ago a little over a month ago yeah. um you can say that there was some irregularities and shenanigans on the part of the the Democrats. And you would be correct. They did that in places like Pennsylvania and Arizona. And in fact, in Arizona, there's a lawsuit that's gone forward that, that that shocked me that there's a judge that's saying, yeah, there was irregularities. So, you know, they, who knows what's going to end up happening there with the results of that election, but there's no question there were shenanigans. But what you can't say is that um, there was one place in the United States one place where one governor who barely won his last election, and I mean barely, by the skin of his teeth, thanks to Donald Trump, he became governor, okay? So we're going to have to give credit to Donald Trump, but he stood up for freedom. He did it so powerfully that about a half a million people from other states came to vote for him, but a million Floridians, yes. a million more Floridians <laughs> well over didn't vote for him last time, switched. Yeah, almost two thirds of the population voted for the man. This, this again, and and that brings us to uh, DeSantis in Florida, and, and the way that our system should work, in which we 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 let the individuals make as much decision. We give the power down, set of power up. That's the Republic version, Republicans versus a Democrat, the Democrat, and and democracy evolves into totalitarianism. Deep. But if we've yeah. gone through this constitutional republic, then, then it'll be there. And the first part of it is the right to keep and bear arms. <laughs> and and, and they, they don't want us to, to have guns because they want power. They have armed security guards all the time, hypocritical bastards. But they don't want us to have that authority. And and, and that really is, is kind of the, the, the lodestone, the key dynamic. Do we trust our citizens? with the tools to protect themselves. Because if we cannot trust our citizens with the tools to protect themselves, then give up on trusting them with something really important, like the right to vote. And and if they're children who can't be trusted with with the tools to protect themselves, if that's your political belief, then that lays a foundation for this belief that, uh, that, that, we have to take control of their lives. We have to take control of all aspects of their lives because they can't be trusted. And the truth is just the opposite. 
The, the real power lies in entrusting our citizens. You know, again, DeSantis in Florida is such a beautiful example of the way our civilization ought to work. If we've got two models. Which model do you choose? Millions of people are voting with their feet, their businesses. They're moving to Texas. They're moving to Florida for a darn good reason. Meanwhile, California is a basket case, sinking deeper and deeper into depravity and insanity. Uh, and we can watch the news and decide ultimately who's right and who's wrong in this great this great battle between good and evil. And good is freedom. Good is entrusting and empowering people. Bad is totalitarianism. Bad is centralized power. If you don't believe that, if you believe that you should give all your life and give all your authority to some higher power, some government, uh, and they know what to do, then, then give up on the concept of a, of, of a, of a freedom-based civilization and go ahead and move to, move to Cuba, see how that works out for you, uh, and, and, and go from there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, uh, that's true. Now, the way I see it is we're at the precipice right now, because if, um, if the United States continues to be under the sway of the evil left, Yes. then I think freedom is going to go into remission for a while. <laughs> I think we're going to see um, that the United States will eventually, uh, if that happens, uh, you know, become a, uh, a, a, a fascist nation. Because, you know, James Woods, the actor, said that um, the United States is uh, a great nation. But whenever you see a liberal... You scratch that liberal underneath that liberal, you're going to see a fascist. Yes, yes. True fascism, true totalitarianism comes from the left, and true freedom comes from the right. You know, and, and you know that that dynamic of republic versus a democracy is so important, and it's in their name. You know, the Democrats versus Republicans, and the, the value of a republic, of a constitutional republic, as opposed to mob rule, who can vote themselves. Uh, uh, money from the government. But folks, uh, I, I, I tell you what, uh, Nikki, I really love what I look forward to the things that are going to come out of this book. I think it's the most important threat that lies before our civilization right now is this global epidemic of sleep deprivation. It causes irrational behavior. It, it's suicides and traffic deaths and uh, even opiate overdoses because, because sleep deprivation creates chronic pain. Uh, has created this demand for opiates, uh, a worldwide explosion of obesity and heart disease. And we know without a doubt that sleep deprivation is part of that equation. Uh, even Alzheimer's, huge data, do an online search between dementia, Alzheimer's, and sleep deprivation. Look at the data. And so, uh, you know, we, uh, we, we take control of the one thing we can control, and that starts tonight, getting a good full night's sleep. And, uh, and sleep in a totally dark room. That's sleep hygiene. Teach your kids to sleep in the dark. And uh, go online and order a sleep mask. There's one sleep mask on Amazon with over 60,000 reviews. Because that's how good people feel about what that sleep mask has done for them and the quality of sleep. We're designed to sleep in the dark. Take control of your life. Take control of your family and your children. That begins tonight with a good, solid, good night's sleep. Because, uh, because sleep-deprived people are irrational. And, uh, and they, they, their, their judgment is flawed. And, and nothing else is going to happen until we get control of this global epidemic of sleep deprivation and 
Nikki and I are going to have the book on sleep coming out in exciting. a couple of years. It's exciting. But I'm also excited to be on this podcast and to be talking to you about, about how you get control of your life. You know, that last 30-minute rule, the sitting down, hugging those kids, don't watch TV, don't play a video game, for God's sake. Put them in close, read a book, and, and, and build over time that the reading and the love for the written word and the, the love for the spoken word. And, and now here I am as an adult and my audio books are out selling my other books. So I must have learned something and reading a book to the kids every night. You know, maybe there's some utility in that process. But uh, uh, we covered a lot of high ground here today, Nikki, and there's so much more to go. Uh, great people you're going to be bringing on board of the show. Great things you're going to be doing. It's an honor and a privilege to be part of it. And I, uh, I wish you I would greatly appreciate it, brother. I appreciate you being here. So b- before we wrap up, let's um, let's do a um, let's do a quick um, recap. And I want to ask you. So if a man's listening to this podcast and he's looking to take a takeaway as a man for how he can be living inside his masculine power, living from that badassery that. That is within oh. every man. Oh. What would you say are three things he as a man, uniquely as a man, needs to focus on right now? Well, first and foremost is, is get control of your, your, your life. And that starts with sleep and sufficient sleep and your children's sleep and your family. Uh, second, identify the things you can do in a violent world. Understand how violent it is. If you have the honor and privilege to live in a place where concealed carry is allowed, uh, you need to do that. You need to train yourself. Just carrying a guitar does not make you a musician. Carrying a gun around does not necessarily mean you're going to be of any value. Now, go out and get training and develop that skill. Uh, the minimum you can do is to have a have a blade with you at all times and be trained and ready to go with it. Uh, but, uh, but, but identify the things you can do to protect your family, protect yourself. Don't live in denial. Don't live in fear. I'm not fearful. I, I, I'm confident in my skills and my tools. And I, I think the final thing becomes to get control of your children and their training and their education. Uh, get involved in local politics. Get involved in school board elections, homeschool, and, and maybe one of the best investments you could ever make. Don't spend money after they become crazy. Don't spend money sending them to some college that's going to indoctrinate them into woke ideology. Spend the money right now sending them to a faith-based institution that lays a foundation right up front. There is a higher power. There is a responsibility. There will be a reckoning for your actions. Uh, And that is one of the most powerful dynamics in history. Gain control of yourself starting tonight. Get Do the things you can do to make your family safe and your part of the world safe. And get control of your children and your children's education to the best ability. If you don't have a spouse, I'll tell you what, you're not going to find the virtuous, honorable mother of your children in a bar. You're not going to find the virtuous, honorable mother of your children online. Go to a house of worship. Get involved in the singles program and, uh, and, and find a virtuous, honorable, principled individual that you can fall in love with. Uh, uh, if you're young enough, you know, most people go to Christian colleges, not for an education, to find a spouse. You know? So it's one of the great benefits of doing all of that. Uh, reach out there. And if you don't have a spouse, That's if pretty you don't brilliant. Have a spouse, virtue, virtue, uh, virtue, it. 
uh, seek virtuous, honorable people who will who will be your spouse. You're not going to find them in a bar. You're not going to find them on a dating app. You're going to find them in your house of worship. You're going to find them in uh, uh, in, in in that Christian college or that Christian institution, and uh, and they're they're desperate for godly, virtuous, manly men. Uh, there are so many so many virtuous Christian women out there who who can't find a man. Uh, you be that man for them, and, and God's got a plan for you. You know that's pretty brilliant, um, Dave. Yeah. And I, I I got a lot out of this talk that we did together. And I'm in a relationship with a lovely woman, but I'll tell you, that's a smart thing for me to give to my teenage sons to say, hey, um, find a virtuous, godly woman in a house of worship, go to a Christian college. I think that's super, super smart. And, you know, if you're Jewish, go to a Jewish college, uh, whatever your your faith happens to be, double yes. down on your faith and get away from the secularism, you, you know, um, I never thought I'd say this because I grew up in Iran and, you know, the mullahs over there just beat us over the head with religion and whatnot. And it just completely yeah. soured me on religion for many, many years. But there's something to living a godly religious life. There's something to uh, seeking morality to be at the core of who you are and what you do. And I think every man ought to do that. Every man ought to sleep more and better. Even if you don't have children, you can bring it to the people that are close to you and around you. You don't have to just do it with children. So I think those are really, really great pieces of advice. Dave, man, this was a great conversation. Uh, do it again real soon. <laughs> all right. God bless you, Nikki. And God bless all of your great listeners. And God bless our nations. Dear Lord, we, we need God in our nation to have springtime for snowflakes. Take care, brother. You know what? Let's say a quick prayer together as we close off, because I Let's think this that. is good. It's Christmas time. It's important. Hold everything that. we up in prayer. Uh, why don't I start, then you you come afterwards. Please. Right? Lord, we, we thank you for the honor of living in nations that have freedoms, nations that we can reach out and influence. Uh, we're not under the iron heel of the mullahs. We're not under the iron heel of Marxist leaders. We're we still live in a nation where, where we can influence our nation. We can influence our lives. Empower us and guide us to take charge of our children, Lord. Empower us and guide us to take charge of our family, to seek virtuous, honorable spouses. Empower us and guide us to guide our nation towards paths of righteousness and peace. And, uh, and Lord, uh, we, we thank you here as we, we approach the Christmas holidays for the ultimate freedom that uh, that's come to us uh, through faith in, in Jesus Christ and uh, and the price that He paid on the cross for us. We we thank you, Lord, for all the virtuous men and women who are listening to this podcast. We ask you to be a blessing of their lives, and most of all, thank Nikki and and yes, myself and all that we have. We entrust to you in love and in thanks and in, in Jesus' name. Amen, Lord. I thank you for my brother Dave and uh, for this uh, fabulous friendship that we've developed. And I thank you, Lord, for being a constant presence in, in all of our lives. Uh, we're living in crazy times, Lord, and I don't quite understand why there's this crazy, but I trust you have a plan, and I trust that your plan will make itself evident in the fullness of time. Give me the strength and the courage to be your faithful servant and to do um what your will is for me so that I can make a difference for the people I need to make a difference for most, especially my family and my friends and uh, do the same for Dave, do the same for uh, his mission in the world so that he is your 
faithful and humble servant can serve the people that you intend for him to save. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. All Praise right. God. Thank God you. Bless. God bless. Merry Christmas and goodbye. <laughs> Iron Sharp Return. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Man Podcast. If you're ready to take charge of your life and become the man you've always wanted to be, we invite you to join the movement at SovereignMan.ca.